0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message.
1: Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. This is the vision. It's explaining what was taking place. of A man from Macedonia in this vision and prayed him saying, come over to Mass." Macedonia, and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. They said they were quite certain that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel unto them. I just want to preach to you a message that I've titled, A Call in the Night call in the night. God bless you. You may be seated today. Thank you so much to our musicians and our singers today. Setting the tone for this message. Amen. Exciting times in which we live. I'm very excited about what's going on, the things that are taking place here in our church. I want to start off by asking a question. I I don't know why I do this so much, uh, but it just seems to be the the way that... uh, I tend to lead off a lot of my sermons or lessons with a question. Do we have any light sleepers in the house? Yes, I know you are. Okay, quite a few light sleepers. The slightest sound and you're up. Okay, a little whimper from your child that sleeps downstairs in the basement back in the far corner of the house. Nobody else could hear them anywhere, but but you can hear the sound of their voice. Uh, maybe just a little creak or something uh, in a window, or a little whistle from the wind, you know, blowing through a, a spot in the house, and uh, just something taking place. And the next thing you know, you are fully awake, laying there in bed, wishing that you go back to sleep. You know, there are times when I really wish I was more like that, Grandma Jones. There are times when I wish that that I wasn't such a heavy sleeper, and, uh, you know, there's got to be more than just me. I know that there are people here that probably are pretty heavy sleepers. I'll never forget uh, hearing the story my daughter. Morgan was telling me when she had just had one of the children, I think it was Silas, and, and Christian was up there being the loving, caring husband that he was uh, in the hospital, and and she, she had the, the child, and, and she needed something, and he was passed out. She said, Dad, I had to throw something at him just to try to wake him up, and, and I couldn't get him awake. He's a heavy sleeper, but I can't say much about it because I am pretty much the same way. And when I talk about being a heavy sleeper, I'm talking about mouth gaped open, you know, uh, uh, waking up in a puddle of your own saliva, heavy sleeper. Okay, I got, I got at least one more just like me. I mean, when
0: I'm out, I'm out.
1: I'm typically a good sleeper. That Not much wakes me up. And it, it, honestly, it helps that I'm kind of hard of hearing. You know, I pull these things out at night most of the time, so I don't need to hear what's going on around me. We turn a little fan on and, and uh, have a little white noise going. I pull the hearing aids out, and, and uh, I have a little tinnitus. And people say, doesn't that bug you? But I'm blessed with, with good tinnitus. My tinnitus, somebody says Is that ringing in your ears. Well, mine really doesn't sound like ringing. My, my, my noises that go on inside of my head, maybe it's not tinnitus at all. Maybe it's just noises inside of my head. I'm not sure. That's yet to be determined. But the sounds that I hear are much like night sounds, like uh, uh, crickets and tree frogs and stuff like that. So when I pull these out and I hear that little sound, uh, the tinnitus going off in my ears, it's actually quite comforting. Doesn't drive me crazy. I can close my eyes and just feel like I'm sitting out along a a creek bank somewhere out in the middle of the woods listening to the night sounds. It's okay. It's soothing to me. And so most nights I'm sound asleep and I don't wake up. I can drift off quick, usually exhausted by the time I, I lay down in the evening time to go to sleep and I can fall asleep very rapidly. My wife gets a little jealous of that. She can be talking to me mid-sentence, and the next thing I know, or the next thing she knows, I don't know anything after that. Next thing she knows, you know, she, she can tell by the way I breathe. That's a polite way of saying you snore. She said, I can tell by the way that you breathe. Yeah, I'm blowing the, the curtains off the windows. Snoring. But she loves me, so she doesn't try to embarrass me. So I can tell by the way you're br- breathing that you're you're asleep. Uh, and so, typically at night, I'm out. I'm out cold. There's not a whole lot of things that will wake me up in the middle of the night. But but there are just a handful of things that will rattle me out of a sound sleep. And it, one of those things is a cry for help. Now, there's a lot of things. Thunder really doesn't wake me up. Lightning really doesn't wake me up, you know. Uh, Wind doesn't wake me up. There could probably be a tornado take the roof off of our house, and I would be sound asleep. You might find me in a tree someplace still laying on top of my mattress, still snoring, and and still sound asleep. I would probably wake up for that, to be quite honest. But, But a cry for help is one of those things that, Something goes into the subconscious and alerts something inside of me, and I will sit straight up in bed,
0: eyes wide open, because somebody is calling for help. There are few things that get my heart racing and my blood pumping more than a call in the middle of the night. That's why I don't sleep with my phone right next to me. A
1: text message is as good as a phone call in the middle of the night or a little notification, something dings on my phone. The next thing I know, I'm sitting straight up in bed. My heart's pounding, heart's racing. Now, my wife, she keeps hers over on her side of the bed. Like I say, my hearing aids are out. Hers doesn't bother me. But if I hear the sound of my phone, there's really not a good reason to call me at 3 o'clock in the morning unless tragedy has struck. So in my mind, it tells me there is an emergency that I'm about ready to get
0: notified of. A call for help. That phone ringing in the middle of the night is a plea for help. There was a, a night not too long ago where
1: it's about 3, 3.30 in the morning, and, and I heard the doorbell ring. And My first response, I mean, I woke up, And I heard it ring, and I thought, that stupid doorbell, it's going off by itself, and then it rang again, and I I got up, and I I went to the door. I didn't even look out the window. I just went to the door, and and I opened it up, and there was this little seven- or eight-year-old little boy standing outside of my door in the middle of the night. Tears running down his face. He can't hardly speak where I can understand what he's saying. He's crying so hard. He's scared. He's crying out.
0: He said, can you help me? I don't know where my mother is at. I was wide awake. His plea in the middle of the night, something grabbed a hold of me. I
1: didn't just shut the door and say, sorry, kid. I got to get my rest. I'm going back to bed. I told that little boy, I said, hey, step on inside, come on inside. I went and woke my wife up. She got herself. Prepared and came in. I said, this little child doesn't know where his mama is at. And so we began to try to ask some questions and settle him down and calm him down and tell him, it's going to be okay. We'll take care of you. We'll make sure everything is all right. Don't you worry. Got him calmed down enough to where we can understand what was going on. There is something that will wake you straight up in the middle of a dead sleep. Something about a
0: cry for help. I think that will wake even the heaviest of sleepers up. Or times when God will call you out of a dark place of the
1: night and lay a mission right in your lap that you
0: may not have expected to come your way. There's a story of a, a man who's now quite established, but back in the day, he was just
1: fresh out of Bible college and praying about what to do, what to do, where to go. The story that i that's been related to me is God spoke to him and said, "I want you to go to South Dakota." Now, I don't know much about too many Bible students. never went to Bible school myself. I wish I had a few years of that. I, I'm a slightly Jealous of those that that have had the opportunity to go, I, I I think it's a great thing. And but oftentimes a lot of students they will come out of there. And this this man was quite a talented preacher. He was a very gifted speaker. And and if I said his name, you would you would know him. And and so he he was called, and the Lord called him to go to a place called South Dakota. Now now. Most of uh, uh, Bible students, I can imagine, come out of Bible school, and a lot of them have these dreams of being asked to take over a church of three or four or 500 or some large church someplace. But this man said the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go to South Dakota.
0: Now, I think I'd have an argument with the Lord right off the bat if I were him. God, I'd like to go someplace that a little warmer.
1: I'd like to go someplace a little a little nicer. I'd like to go to someplace that, that maybe had a little bit more churches around it that we could fellowship with. Because you have to understand, South Dakota, at the time, had about seven churches. Not in this section. We have 11 churches just in our section right here, section 2. We have 11 churches. We have 180-some churches in Illinois. The entire state of South Dakota had seven churches. If you go out there, you're gonna be somewhat lonely. There's not gonna be a whole lot of fellowship, but God called him into a place and he answered that call. Amen. South Dakota amen, and they got out there and it didn't seem to go like might be what you think it would. And a lot of times being a gifted orator and a great and anointed preacher, you can go and speak in front of thousands, but God will take somebody who
0: can speak in front of thousands and take them and put them in a place where they have to speak one-on-one. Had to be a dark time, time of questions. But God said, "I need you. I called you." Their story was one that had a rough beginning. They were finally able to
1: get into a building outside of their home, and it was a rundown facility. I've seen pictures of what they started with. but it was a place. Now, he had preached in larger churches. He'd been asked to preach all over. It's a sought-after minister, but here he was
0: dealing with things that were not as nice as he was accustomed to. Spoke to him one day, got a little bit of what was going on.
1: It's a mutual friend that brought us together. He began to explain to me that everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. They had all kinds of problems with the church, and there was a lot of stress that was taking place inside of the church. And, of course, we know that stress inside of the church can sometimes create stress inside of the home, and, and, and there began to... To be some stress-related things taking place there, and and the relationships had some problems going on with them. But even though the call sometimes felt a little faint, sometimes it was hard to remember. Sometimes there were days when he had to step back and say, "God, are you sure that was you that spoke to me and called me here?" Even when he had some doubts, he just kept putting one foot in front of the other. He kept going forward. He didn't move back. He just stayed in the fight. Amen. Just because, somebody hear me right now, just because things are difficult doesn't mean that God doesn't have you right exactly where he wants you. Sometimes he'll put you in the middle
0: of a dark place because he needs some light to be shined into the darkness. Paul's vision to plea for help. The Bible says that
1: after the vision that they immediately endeavored to go, they immediately endeavored. They didn't question God, they just started packing, preparing got ready to walk out the door and head towards Macedonia because they knew that God had called them to preach the gospel there. Now, that word endeavored means simply attempted. They attempted to go to Macedonia. Sometimes we have to understand, you know, God will put a whole a, a, a whole dramatic event in a matter of just a chapter or two, and and we don't see all the timelines and everything that it took, but we do know something about this story, and that is that as soon as the vision had finished,
0: that they began to attempt to go to Macedonia. Just because they answered the call, didn't mean that daylight had arrived,
1: didn't mean morning had come. There was still some night to be endured.
0: And I think of this pastor, his story as he was relating it, he said one year went by, nothing.
1: Nothing. No, no real growth, no baptisms, nobody receiving the Holy Ghost. They just kept sowing seed, bringing people. They would get a few to come to church, and the next thing you knew, they they would leave and walk back out the door, and they'd have to start all over again. Two years went by. Nothing. Nothing happened. Nothing was going on. It wasn't a problem with his preaching. It wasn't a problem with his message. It wasn't a problem with his personality. There was just some night that they were still going through. But even though God had called them in the middle of their night, amen, God had called them to attempt to endeavor to go and answer the call. Didn't mean that they could wait until morning time. They immediately began to do the work that God had called them to do, even when
0: they weren't seeing the results that they expected to see. He didn't have to tell me, I already knew that there were some questions.
1: There are times when you may feel like God is wasting your time,
0: where you're spinning your wheels. God has spoken to you, God has
1: talked to you, and and you're endeavoring to do your best to follow him, but it seems like nothing much is happening. It seems like everything is against you. It seems like the moment after you got baptized in Jesus' name that everything fell apart in your home life. Or the moment that you came up and got that great blessing in the altar that you walk out of here and you go home and
0: everything just seems to fall apart. Anybody else besides me ever felt that way? You know you felt, you heard from God. You know you felt God's presence. You, you know that He
1: spoke into your life and you're willing to do what He's asked you to do, but it
0: just seems like there's a whole lot of nighttime left. A whole lot of victory. Hear me. The call that God placed
1: upon your life is more than a dream a reality. When God speaks, it will happen. But it is a dream, amen, that's reality is only brought forth by your faithfulness to obey his call. There's a call going out into the world. I believe that the Lord has filled us with his spirit for a purpose and a reason. There's a cry going out that sometimes if the church falls asleep a little too soundly, we're unable to hear. But I can hear the calls and the pleas for help all over our city. I can hear your family members that need God. I can hear them in the middle of the night and they're pleading for help. Oh, it may not come out from their voice. They might not actually say, I need your help, but in their actions and what they do and the way that they live it's a cry and a plea for the church of the living God that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God it is a call and a plea for us to stand up and begin to endeavor begin to attempt to
0: fulfill the call that God wants his church to have in these last days They began to endeavor to go to Macedonia. It's still night, it's still night, but morning's coming. This family, he said, there were times I just wanted to quit, give in, go someplace else, but I knew, I knew the call. I knew the calling that I had heard, I knew the burden that I felt. Something happened, something changed when he decided that he wasn't running away from the call for help. He said, For a couple of years, we were there just kind of thinking, well, we'll give this a few years, we'll see
1: what we can make happen here. But he said, We knew that God had called us there, but we were trying to figure a way to get out. We, we were trying to figure a way around it. We, there were times when we just wanted to pack up and leave and, and, and go someplace else, but God had called us, but he said, finally, eventually the day came when we just settled our feet in. We said, we are not leaving. And he said, when that happened, when we decided that we weren't going to run away from the cry for help, something broke loose in our spirit, something broke loose in our church. And I will tell you today that not many years after that, God blessed us with a beautiful church building and as of just not too many years after that God completely allowed them to become debt free but it wasn't when they ran off and did their own thing it was when they decided to answer the call in the middle of their night and they heard the plea for help and they decided I've got to stay
0: I've got to preach we've got to minister to these people Listen, God doesn't usually see how you'll handle success until he first knows how you can handle defeat. He's got to see if you can manage the nighttime. He's got to see how you can respond to the hurt and the pain.
1: Most people can deal with success but how many can deal with failure? Most people can handle acceptance and big bear hugs, but few can
0: handle rejection and slaps in the face and still keep going. Here's my point today. The ministry that broke forth that South Dakota town did not start when that family drove into the city limits of that town that God had called them to.
1: It didn't start when they had their first convert or baptized their first person in Jesus' name or had their first person come to to an altar and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It didn't start then. See, those are all things that are byproducts of something that, ha- that happened way back before they ever hopped in their car before they ever researched the town, before they ever drove there and visited the first time, before they ever knocked on the first door or ever sent out their first invitation, before they ever spoke to a single person long before any of that happened, long before they were in a beautiful church building that they're in now, filled to capacity, having record-breaking attendances, long before all of that. All of those things are beautiful. They're all wonderful, but they're simply a byproduct product of somebody that stood up in the middle of the night and said, I hear you, God, and I'm going to follow what you're telling me to do, no matter how dark the night is, no matter how much night is still left, I'm going to keep serving you if I'm rejected, I'm going to keep serving you and answering your call, even if people don't want me around, I'm going to uh, I'm going to keep serving you, even if things fall apart, I will not quit, because I heard the sound and the cry for help." of the desperate that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I will
0: go and answer that call. My wife and I took a hike many years ago in the mountains of Tennessee. It was quite a long
1: hike for us. We're not hikers. Do I look like a hiker?
0: We took with us a bottle of water we didn't realize
1: how difficult the trail was going to be how long it was going to be and it wound around up down over rocks it was rough and roots sticking out everywhere and finally we got down to where we wanted to be and stayed there for a little while enjoyed the view the waterfall abrams falls maybe some of you have been there in gatlinburg tennessee area up in there i don't know it's about a five mile hike like I said, we're not hikers. We, we didn't prepare. I didn't pack lunches I did. We took one bottle of water, which was not nearly enough. started eyeballing each other, which one of us is going to be the weaker vessel. rationing out the water until it was gone. So thirsty on the way back, you know. My mother-in-law and father-in-law made the same mistake, and they had some hikers that were gracious and kind enough to help them and offer them water. Nobody offered us nothing. But the one thing that was there was there. There, there was a along this trail, most of the trail, alongside of one side of it or the other, there is a a beautiful stream that flows down off that mountain, and it comes down, and the water is crystal clear. And, and so we were getting kind of desperate, and so we still had that empty water bottle as we looked at it it was mocking us you know and, and we took that empty water bottle and i went down into that in that river stream and i took it and i i i i said well here goes nothing you know we can die of something i guess we can die of salmonella or whatever comes in the water i don't know what it is you know some bacteria or something that 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 would uh kill us or, or we can die of thirst so i'm gonna take my chances with the water if i die i'm gonna die not thirsty okay and so I I put the water bottle down the stream and and uh, and we had some water to get us back. I don't think actually I'm may, I'm being a little dramatic here. I don't think we're even close to death at all. We probably could have made it a couple more hours maybe.
0: We're just a couple babies, you know, thirsty. We got that water and got back to our car and back. See, the thing about the water is that we
1: were just getting some of that water, but it originated someplace way up on that mountain. That water, as it flowed, it went down that mountain. It watered trees. It watered vegetation. It it made sure the animals on that mountain had something to drink, and then out of God's pure, gracious mercy, it allowed us to To get some of that water. But that water did not
0: originate right where we were at. It originated from someplace higher. You want to know how important the church is? The church is the place where God's Spirit should be able to originate from, emanate from.
1: He's everywhere and everything, but. There's something about when people gather together. And he said, Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. Brother Anglin hit it right off the head. He's here. And sometimes he's here and we don't even recognize that he's here.
0: But he is water for the thirsty. We're salt. What does salt do? You ever gone home and eaten a bunch of food that's had a lot of salt in it? The rest of the evening, you're like, I just can't get my
1: thirst quits. Sucking down more water. That's what the church is. The church is salt. It should make those that gather into our midst thirsty for something that originates from a higher place. His spirit, His presence comes down. And just as we were thirsty on that trail, there are so many people, so many people within a stone's throw away that are thirsty for something, and they keep trying to satisfy and quench their thirst with things that will never satisfy them. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? He said, you come to this well and you gather water, but the water that I'm talking about, you take a drink of that and you'll never thirst again. She said, that sounds pretty good to me. That would save me a lot of effort and a lot of trouble.
0: Give me this water that I thirst not again. See, because once you taste of him, there's something so satisfying about it that will leave you coming back to the origination of that water over and over again. You'll never have to seek to eliminate your thirst anywhere else with anything else. For music come today. A man stands before Paul that he has never met pleading with him for help. And the Bible
1: says that immediately they began their trip to make their way to Macedonia. But verse 11, if you read it,
0: tells us that before that they could go, they had to be loosed from Troas. God could have just transported him. Remember Philip? Boom, he's out in the middle of the desert with the
1: Ethiopian, teach him there's water where we can be baptized. Boom, he's gone, transported him back. You don't want to talk about, you know, fast travel. God could have done that. Paul, I need you here. Boom, you're there. Wow, this is awesome.
0: But in this case, he didn't do that. The word of God finds it important enough to tell us that before that they could
1: make their way to Macedonia, they had to be loosed from Troas. This morning, I, I just want us to understand that, whether it be on a, a church level or an individual level, that when God calls you to a specific place, God calls you to a specific task. God gives you a vision for something greater. There's usually a few things in your life that you have to let go of. You've got to be loosed from before you can continue forward in God. See, there was a call for help, but the call for help was not in Troas where they were. It was a call to go someplace Different. And before that they could be effective in Macedonia, they had to be loosed from Troas. Just stand today. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and I want you just to think. God, if there's something that You're asking of me. If there's somebody that needs me, if there's a soul out there that only I can reach, Lord, I need you to loose me from things that are keeping me from following your will. I don't believe God's asking anybody to move cities I don't think he's asking you to pick up your belongings and sell your homes and all your goods and move away someplace. But sometimes the things that we need to let loose of are as simple as pride, fear, anything that needs to be let go of that's keeping you hostage right where you're at. Who's the family member that needs you to make the phone call, but they offended you years ago? You've just kind of cut them off, and the Lord has been speaking to you about that. Who's the co-worker? It's a little rough around the edges, rubs you the wrong way, and yet it seems that God just won't let them off your mind. What is is it that you need to let loose of before you can go where God wants you to go and say what God wants you to say? Because I believe that God is very active in this church and there are calls being made in the middle of the darkness of night. I believe God is speaking into hearts not just the hearts of those in this church but the hearts of those that are pleading for help i believe that there are people sitting in their living rooms today walking the halls of the the, the aisles of walmart i believe there are people that are getting up to go to work tomorrow that in their own way they are pleading god if you're real If you're who you say you are, would you send somebody? God, if there's anything to you, if you're really out there, would you send somebody? And that's why I need you to be sensitive to the call. It may come in the middle of somebody's night be afraid of, to let go of some things that have kept you from following the burden that the Lord has placed upon your heart. This message may not reach everybody. It may not be for everybody here. Some of you may already be very sensitive to this, but there may be some that the Lord is trying to reach today. I'm going to invite you to this altar right now. I'm wrapping this up. And I just want us to come, those that would, those that would be sensitive to the Lord, and just ask God, God, would you help me? And I'm asking them for myself too. As they begin to sing, would you...